0: Hi, I'm Ellie, and I'm going through some pretty trying times on my very own Trying to Conceive journey. And if you're here, I'm guessing you are too. In this pod, we're talking about all things TTC and fertility, to try and feel less alone as we get to know our bodies, while also exploring the different journeys that we might be on to try and meet our baby. Whether you're battling with infertility, trying after loss, or just starting out trying for the first time and you don't know where to begin, this pod is for you. Welcome to The Trying Times. Hello my loves, welcome back to The Trying Times and it's a different kind of pod today. This is the first episode in a series of The Diaries where we're talking to girls like you and like me who have been on a bit of a ride with this journey and today I'm with the gorgeous Megan who has had a bit of a rough time of it over the last few years right? Yeah, hi. <laughs> Do you want to dive straight in and tell us about your story, and, like go back to the start? Absolutely. Um, so we started trying to conceive
1: slightly... <laughs> I would say it's slightly on a whim. That's probably not really fair. We got married in the July of 2021 and then we were planning on going on our honeymoon in the December. So it was kind of a, oh, we'll just wait till we go on our honeymoon. We'll start trying then because we were going skiing. So there is a bit of a like, you shouldn't really ski in the first trimester. So we'll hang off.
0: Yeah. And then went to a friend's wedding. And there's that whole honeymoon baby idea as well. Like, when you think you're going to have a honeymoon. Oh,
1: exactly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it'll be so lovely. We can just be really chill. It'll happen, you know, like naive, it'll happen straight away kind of attitude. Absolutely. Um, Then went to a friend's wedding, had maybe a couple too many glasses of Prosecco, and was (laughs) like, oh, let's just not be careful and see what happens. And i kind of thought because i didn't really understand about like ovulation everything i was like oh we're past the point when i'm going to be fertile so it'll be fine and it like we were both kind of like if it happens now it's fine but you know if it doesn't then that's okay yeah. um Q late period <laughs> that month <laughs> and was like oh me- maybe you should do a test and it was positive which was lovely we were both really happy amazing um because of my previous job which was working with sort of premature babies I did know a little bit about sort of early loss miscarriage and from that really wanted to have an early scan before we went away because I wanted to kind of be reassured that it was okay to
0: fly and absolutely you don't want to be away abroad somewhere worrying about
1: especially because we were going to Canada and I was conscious that like It's healthcare, is a bit like the States, it's expensive. We had travel insurance, I didn't really want to need to use it. So went for the early scan, saw a lovely little heartbeat, everything was measuring as it should have been. Um, So we went off to Canada, had a really lovely time. I hit 12 weeks, pretty much the day that we got back. So we were at the point where we were like, oh, well, you we can maybe start telling people because we're in that like safe zone. Um, yeah. We told a few people beforehand that like we told our closest friends and who were also trying at that time and my parents and his parents and our siblings, um, but really no one else knew. So then we were like, oh, well, we our 12 week scan was actually nearly sort of past 13 and a half weeks. So we were like, well, I don't really want to wait for that. We'll just tell people. So we did the whole ringing all the family, telling everyone what was going on. Yeah um then eventually got a sort of last minute cancellation for 12 week scan went in for that to be told that I'd had a missed miscarriage
0: that's awful oh it's just awful so that was classed as like a missed miscarriage at that point yeah so because
1: I think the ironic well it's not ironic at all it was awful um Mm. the worst bit for me was it looked like the baby had stopped growing at about eight weeks, which was about when we'd been for the early scan. So it was probably within a couple of days of that early scan. And
0: so then you, you're you having to carry a baby that you don't know has passed. Yeah. Which is really for, difficult. For probably about five
1: weeks. So that was rough. And I think there was a lot of feelings around, like, why has my body been lying to me? Like, I still felt yeah. really poorly. I felt so sick. I still had, like, the sore boobs like...
0: For people who don't know what a mis- miscarriage is, it's basically when your body is still producing the pregnancy hormone, you've got all of those pregnancy symptoms still, and you still think... Your body's still acting pregnant, but the baby has passed and just not started miscarrying yet. So it's... It's not actively growing anymore, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's like a silent miscarriage. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, because of the time between... When the baby had stopped growing and when we went in for the scan, they didn't really want to leave me to wait for things to happen naturally um, because it had been about five weeks. They were like, "Eh." the fact that you haven't had any symptoms that would suggest that your body sort of worked out what's going on would make us want to do something about it sooner rather than later because there's a risk of infection and like that. So we decided to go down the surgical route rather than the medical route purely because I didn't really fancy the idea of it being at home um I know for Mm -hmm. people that's totally the right thing for them but for me that felt quite I I kind of wanted to wanted it to be more medical because I wanted to sort of get get that process sort of not over and done with because obviously it's awful and it's that the loss of that child but for me that was the easiest way to handle it
0: absolutely you've got to do what's best for you and only you know we were
1: quite fortunate that the hospital we went to didn't just offer a dnc which is where you have to go in and have a general aesthetic so i was a bit scared of having a general aesthetic because i'd never had one before um Mm -hmm. which is funny now with what happened later but (laughs) we'll get into that in a minute so we had what's called an mva which is effectively like a it's done under a local anesthetic so they gave me gas and air they gave me some um other medication on oh, okay. my cervix and some codeine which made me really loopy so we had that done a couple of days later got a gorgeous um bereavement box from a charity called for louis or for lewis i don't know if you've heard of them Ellie. they're lovely I It's have i'd it's love a, to look into that they actually will probably send you a box out in the post it's It's a lovely little breathing box that they do um there's little teddies there's a little glass angel which always goes on our christmas tree now because it's sort of like a little reminder of everything
0: so special
1: and i kind of wanted that baby to be represented at christmas so it was a really nice thing for us to be able to do that um i have subsequently bought some more ornaments for the tree for um, our losses after that but it was a nice thing for me to have something that was representative of the fact that we had had a child that we lost because I think it's really easy for other people to forget
0: and it's quite Absolutely. a nice way for us to remember absolutely I do I definitely feel like that people don't i think especially with like early losses and the first trimester losses and stuff, people just don't like they don't acknowledge it as much it's it wasn't a real baby to other people Whereas yeah. to you it really really was because you'd already made all of those plans for the future yeah. with that child yeah. and then it's been taken away, but everyone else forgets and I don't know about you, but I felt really angry with everyone who did forget as well. And it made my relationship with people really difficult.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think um, we've subsequently had some friends who've been through a similar situation. They had a first trimester loss not that long ago. And we were talking about the 12-week rule and um, kind of how you don't tell anyone because you you wait 12 weeks because it's safe and everything else. But actually the friend of ours just put it really well. It, it was something I'd never considered until that point, but actually it was the perfect way to describe it. It was, you wouldn't get engaged and say that you were gonna get married in nine months and not plan anything and just expect to turn up on the day and
0: there'd be a wedding. Because that's just not Absolutely. how life works. So- I love that analogy. It, that's such a good analogy. Cause it is, you get excited. As soon as you have that ring on your finger, If if it's the engagement yeah. analogy. You start planning, you start preparing. And like, to be honest, even before you get engaged, you're planning your wedding. As a little girl, I was always planning like my big day and my dress and everything and what it's gonna be like. I had scrapbooks coming out of my ears. I actually found one while I was packing the other day. (laughs) I love that. And and I was like, this is my scrapbook from when I was like a teenager. So you plan in advance. You're always planning for when it happens. Exactly. So when it does happen, you're even more like, God, this is real now. This is actually happening. This is a real thing. So- of course you're going to start planning a source exactly. of course you're going to get excited about it there's no way you're not so yeah I love that that engagement and yeah. so two three lines
1: on a stick is no different for me than an engagement ring I think it's the same thing of you 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 view that as your baby from the day that you find out that you're pregnant so I don't personally I like I think it's really changed my attitude towards 12-week rule um and I think it definitely very much now would be a I would tell whoever I wanted to tell at whatever point that felt comfortable, whether that was early, whether that was past 12 weeks, whether that was sort of whatever point that felt comfortable, that would be the point. Well, you
0: don't expect to lose, and you don't expect to lose a baby. You don't expect to go through a miscarriage. And it's like with, when you get engaged, you don't expect for that engagement to fall through. You expect, like when you get engaged, you expect the wedding to happen. Exactly. And it's exactly the same when you get pregnant. You expect to have a baby. So when, when it does go wrong, that's just, like, so traumatic. Just as it would be if you broke up with your partner. Exactly. It would be so traumatic. So... Regardless of how soon after you got engaged, it wouldn't Exactly.
1: still be disappointed. It would still that hurt. That relationship had ended. And you would still need to sort of grieve that loss. Because it is still a loss, regardless of whether it's a loss of a, a pregnancy or a baby or whether it's a loss of a relationship. You still grieve. It's still It's still a form of loss and I think you still have to take the time to to process that so I think the like my one real bugbear is when go up people go it was just early and I'm like that doesn't matter it's not
0: still it's still got to you it's still become a baby in your mind and you've planned for
1: your due date and what what's going to happen after that day and you've probably like postponed things because of it or you might have rearranged or adjusted plans because of it so it doesn't matter whether it's it's two days after you find out or whether it's, like, weeks after you find out. It's still It's still hard.
0: We had some friends tell us after our first loss that we shouldn't have told anyone before 12 weeks and that they were embarrassed for us. And that really got to me because when I went through my miscarriage, my first miscarriage, if I hadn't told the people who I had told, mm. I don't think I would have got through it. Like I no. genuinely don't think I would still be here today if I hadn't had the support that mm-hmm. I had from my family and my close friends who I had told straight away because mm-hmm. well one you want to celebrate that baby that baby was a real baby and you want to celebrate mm-hmm. them with the people who also will love them and Exactly when you go through loss you it puts you in such a dark like lost headspace mm-hmm. that if you don't have those people supporting you like you're going to fall apart you need some support so not telling people before the 12 weeks I you know everyone has their own opinions on it and if they want to tell people after 12 weeks then that's fine like you got to do you right but for me personally I don't think I will ever wait until not for everyone actually that's that's not completely true so there's certain people it's it's selective isn't it exactly i won't go and shout it on facebook or anywhere like i'm not going to go and tell strangers that like i haven't seen in 10 years that i'm pregnant but i would definitely tell my family my close family and also my close friends because those are the people who i'm going to need if everything goes wrong so i think for me personally i'll tell those close people but i won't shout it to the world But actually, I was thinking about this literally the other day. There are some people now who are close to us who I just feel, after going through recurrent loss, I just feel embarrassed to tell them that I'm pregnant again, in case it goes wrong again.
1: So that was was the point that I got to. So with the first pregnancy that I had, which was the miscarriage, we didn't really tell anyone. We did the whole let's wait till 12 weeks, let's wait till it's safe. Safe, because... It wasn't um but we told the few people that then my attitude I think is where if I would tell them that I'd had a loss regardless of what that loss was I would tell them that I was pregnant early if I wouldn't tell them about the loss I wouldn't tell them about the pregnancy
0: yeah that's a really good way of thinking about it
1: I think that that's the comfortable place I feel um, where I would tell the people that I would want to support me if it was a loss, whereas I wouldn't necessarily tell people who I wouldn't want to support me through if it was a loss. I would wait to tell those people when it felt comfortable to do so, and that probably actually wouldn't even be at 12 weeks, it would probably be later. Um, I think that's where my attitude has changed yeah. that a lot. I think, for me, the comfortable point to tell those people would actually be closer to sort of 20 weeks or even maybe a bit later, which feels really late but actually that would be the point that I would feel comfortable to tell those people
0: I think it depends on when you've had your losses as well so like for you it was 12 weeks when you found out so getting past that mark is definitely a big thing it's It's a it's a milestone exactly For, for me personally like I never got to hear the heartbeat or see the heartbeat like that was I was waiting for it we were supposed to hear it and then we didn't and so for my me in my head, I've got to get past that milestone. Yeah. I've got to get that heartbeat. And then I will start feeling a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But like, like you said, like with the 20 weeks, I kind of feel similar with people who aren't close to me anymore. I don't want to tell them. But um, like, what's the point? No. Because there is that element
1: of being embarrassed about having to go back and say oh actually it hasn't worked again and you're the you're the exactly. like the current lost person aren't you you're the person that's always right. been lost so I almost feel like you you tell people and they're expecting you to come back and give them bad news so it's easier just to not tell
0: those people than it is to tell them and then have to take it back and also the reactions when you do tell them like I have told even people close to me I've t- when I've told them that I'm pregnant again I've got different results. So, like, one person, I called them up and told them, and they went, oh, oh. And it was, like, that excitement initially, and then oh, immediately, God. oh, no. It, to your phone. And it was, like, on the phone, yeah. Right, so, it was, phone. like... Oh, my God.
1: Oh, that's not great.
0: So, it was really awkward, because then I was, like, I know you want to be excited with me, and I want you to be excited with me, because I'm right. feeling really calm right now, but you're waiting for it to go wrong now. Yeah. And, I it was really... It's just really awkward. So, we
1: with the first one didn't tell didn't really tell anyone and then waited and told family and a few really close friends so like I told my godparents and a few people like that at 12 weeks we hadn't actually even told all of our friends we were waiting till we saw them face to face and we were meant to be doing something with our friends like a couple of weeks later, and I was like, perfect. We're all gonna be together, it'll be really nice to tell them when we're all together. Um, so we're going away for a friend's 30th, and sort of, we're like, oh, we'll do it there. Cause the friend that we were going with knew already and wouldn't have minded us doing that and kind of like slightly stealing their limelight. And obviously then it didn't didn't happen. Um, so that was kind of where we were the first time. We then subsequently with the second loss that we had told everyone. I told everyone from the day that I found out, I was like, do you know what? I want to celebrate it while it's happy. Even if it ends in a loss, I just want everyone to know because I want to be able to be excited about it. And then with that, I felt mortified when I had to go back and say...
0: You don't expect it to happen a second time. No, I I genuinely thought...
1: like, You don't expect it to happen
0: the first time.
1: But I genuinely thought it's not going to happen again. We can't possibly be more than once.
0: You don't expect it, like... You hear about people having miscarriages, and I was very aware of it. My my, both of my sisters had miscarriages with their first pregnancies, and I genuinely thought, yeah, it could happen because it's happened to them. So when I did have initial spotting and bleeding and stuff, I I, my head immediately went there because I experienced it with them, and I understood that world a little bit. Yeah, but then when you get to the second loss, you think it's going to be absolutely perfect. You don't expect. It to happen again I don't know and then I'd it happens true. again there
1: were, there were people said to me oh your body just didn't know what to do the first time it'll be fine the next yes, time. yes it
0: was a practice run yeah I've had definitely had that said it was it's just your body practicing now it knows what to do so next time it'll it work out fine. yeah and also when you are I don't know if you had this as well when I was um I got told that the baby had passed I got told that I was more fertile now and in those three months I was gonna be pregnant again go and try right? again right It will happen again. Next time it'll be fine. And then it's not fine. And you don't fall pregnant straight away.
1: So for me, it took me so that was so it was the January by the time I had the procedure done. I didn't have a period until the April. And I was told eight Mm -hmm. weeks you'll have your periods back. It will all be fine. Eight weeks. So I was expecting end of February, early March to have a period. And then nothing happened. And I couldn't track because I had no way of tracking. And by this point I was getting a bit stir crazy because I had no like you need that control yeah and especially after a loss I think that your need for control gets worse I think you you feel like you have to be in control of something because you weren't in control of the loss so you have to have some control over something and the only thing that you have control over is being able to track so absolutely we I got to the point where I rang the GP and was like I still haven't had a period and I was effectively told do a pregnancy test once a week," and come back to me when it's been four months. So go away for another two months and just keep trying. Which and
0: that time feels like forever. It's not just like a few days. It but... was the longest, yeah. The first
1: period I got it was right at the beginning of April. So it was sort of end of March, beginning of April. So it was another like 30 odd days. So that felt like a really yeah. long time and because I hadn't had one it was awful like it was the most pain I'd been in in a really long time it was really heavy I actually was quite unwell with it like I ended up with a bit I had a bit of a temperature like clearly my body was just totally out of whack with it yeah then so I think I had a proper period and then I had what I thought was another period but actually was just bleeding during pregnancy Mm um I did a test and it because it was kind of like not the norm kind of bleeding. So I sort of did a test and was like, oh see. Yeah. Cause you know, early early pregnancy bleeding is normal because that's what you Absolutely, which no one talks about. No <laughs> one talks about it at all. So I found out it would have been really early actually no, I so I had a period in April because I found out in the middle of May that I was pregnant mm-hmm. the second time. Um and that one I pretty much I so I hadn't had a period and then I started bleeding about three days afterwards. So I thought, oh, well, this is just going to be an early miscarriage. just like, as if that makes it okay.
0: Yeah, because that's literally, your brain goes into survival mode. And, like, it protects you. So it says, this is what's happening. Yeah. And it's like, right, okay, so
1: this this, this pregnancy is going to end.
0: Um, I ended up, I had a really good relationship with a
1: different GP at my practice who's actually sort of, her husband and my husband work together. So I know her, but not well enough for it to be inappropriate for her to be my GP. And she had been really good because I'd spoken to her about ovulation tests and was it worth doing and all of that sort of stuff. And she was like, they are generally pretty accurate. The fact that you've got a positive ovulation test would say to me that things are starting to go back to normal. Um, And she was really lovely about it. Um, And so I rang and I spoke to her because at that point I wasn't willing to speak to anyone else because I've been fobbed off a couple of times by other people. So I was just like, no, I'm just going to see this GP. And I rang her and she was like, because of how early it is, we can't really do anything. You're too early to have a scan. So come back to us in like two weeks ish. And if you're still spotting, Mm. then we can send you for a scan. We'll send you for an early scan because you kind of need to be about six weeks before they'll do much. And this was like four and a half weeks. So it was. That's really really frustrating. I
0: find that really frustrating that they don't scan because they say they won't see anything yeah I think they just wouldn't be able to tell you
1: conclusively where anything is yeah, um that's which true. we then subsequently found out that they definitely can't tell you conclusively what's going on until six weeks because I then about a week later had really awful pain all down my right side and it, this was this had been kind of like on and off a bit achy pain and it was getting progressively worse still with the bleeding which was sort of intermittently red intermittently slightly darker um not heavy probably like enough that you'd wear a liner but not like a full pad because it was like light enough that a liner was kind of catching it so really just spotting yeah it got to like 3 a.m and I couldn't sleep because I was in so much pain so I ended up waking my husband up in the middle of the night being like you're gonna have to take me to A&E because I think this is an ectopic something's wrong something is wrong I'm pretty sure you have that gut instinct yeah something isn't quite right and got there Sat an A&E through the night on a Sunday night into a Monday with a few interesting characters. Oh, in the Gainey timing area it was just like not the time to be there. Um, you don't want to be doing it on a Sunday. <laughs> no, they basically did some blood tests, gave me some pain relief, and did a bit of an examination of my tummy and were like, yeah, we really just need you to go to gynae and they don't open till eight, so you're just gonna have to sit and wait until 8 a.m. to go for a scan.
0: Got up to... Which I bet it was the
1: longest wait of your oh, life. Oh, awful. We were just sat there like waiting to see what was happening. Um, so we head up to early pregnancy, which is also kind of like in with gynae, ambulatory care. It's a bit of a sort of mixed area. It was a very strange place to be.
0: I don't understand that as well. That's like, on a side note. The hospitals just dump all it's of the gynaecological stuff. stuff together yeah. so when i was when i was going for my endo appointments i was having to sit there thinking like i could be infertile right now like when i first got diagnosed with endo and i'm sitting in a waiting room with loads of pregnant women and women with babies
1: yeah it's just the most ridiculous thing so we sat there then they were like oh actually the sonographer doesn't start till nine so you're gonna have another hour's wait oh god oh but can you make sure that you've got a full bladder so can you drink loads of water for the next <laughs> and hour that's so
0: painful. I hate doing the whole full bladder oh, thing because yeah. you really are desperate and you don't know when they're going to do it
1: yeah exactly so we sat there waiting um and this was May last year so it's still kind of COVID in hospitals even yeah. though like everywhere else has gone back to normal um so we get there and the sonographer is a fairly I'm going to say bolshie which probably doesn't sound very nice but when I explain further I feel like my, my description is, is justified um lady who gets me in tells my husband Connor that he's not allowed in the room he must sit there with his mask on and wait to be called in and this is both of us sort of going in thinking we're going to be told something really awful um that we have already had bad news this year it's it's sort of we're both sort of You're just about to protecting be ourselves to the point and wait for something to be wrong again. We I go into the scan, they do a, a tummy scan, first an abdominal scan. Um, and she basically goes, I can't see anything, we're gonna have to do a transvaginal. Lovely getting wonder back out again. Absolutely.
0: Love, love Wanda. Time with her
1: <laughs> So she sends me off into the toilet to like go for a wee because they don't want you to have a full bladder, get me to put like a hospital gown on so that they can scan me. And then Connor is allowed in magically because they're doing an internal scan. Suddenly he's allowed to be in the room, which baffles me, absolutely baffles me. That doesn't make any sense. No, and we were just as much of a COVID risk regardless we were from yeah. the same household we were just as much of a COVID risk regardless of where they were scanning me and so he walks into the room and the sonographer turns around and says well I can't see anything so we're gonna to have to do an internal scan and I think Connor's words to her were is that seriously how you're going to deliver that news to me and I think it made I think wow. I think because so much of the time they they deal with this sort of stuff day in, day out, don't they? So they, they do. become
0: slightly less sympathetic. That makes it worse for you because you're the one going through it. There needs to be that sympathy and that empathy around what you're going through. Like, EPU is the place where so many miscarriages happen. So they
1: should be extra sensitive to anyone who's in there because no one is choosing to be there. Absolutely. They are there because they have to and they're there because they're probably getting
0: bad news yeah they are going to be grieving from the moment that they tell them it's that bad news and then once you're grieving you're in a really awful headspace so you need people who are trained in that i guess so i don't know maybe there's something missing a bit of
1: compassion is essential i think in situations like that so we have the internal scan she still can't see anything and she's saying it's probably because it's too early when i told her my dates and everything else she said it's unlikely we'll be able to see anything so what we'll do is we'll check your HCG levels on a blood test we'll get you back in 48 hours and repeat it see what it's like in 48 hours if it's more than doubled then we'll get you back a week later for a scan just because by that point we should be able to see something so actually fortunately Ailey had done my bloods that day so i didn't need a, a further blood test while we were there so we just went back the two days later and I think my HCG the first time was 360 something. And it had gone up to 900 and something by the time we went back three days, two days later. So they were really encouraging. They were like, it's all fine. We're going to get sounded positive. Yeah, We're going to get some good news. It's all going to be good. We'll see you back in a week for a scan just to confirm. Cause everything looks great. We're really happy. Go back for another scan. Um, the week after. And they were like, yeah, we can see something, but it's not where it's supposed to be. So it was in my right tube. Oh, God. Now, because they were like, you've still got a working left tube, we're going to just remove it. So we're just going to do surgery. We're going to take it away. Um, There's not really anything else we can do at this point. Um, they never offered me the methotrexate which is you know the the medication that they can give you which can and I don't know why they never discussed it so um, we'll never know the answer to that question but That's it the was the yeah, management said,
0: of miscarriage right yeah
1: of, of, of an ectopic mm-hmm. yeah so it basically it's like a chemotherapy drug okay um so they sometimes give that effectively it it kills the the baby um and then what the hope is that everything just kind of shrinks down and goes back to normal and then your tube is still left and hopefully there's no scarring and therefore it should still work but they didn't give you that option um they, they mm. didn't give us that option and I, I still to this day don't know why i kind of don't really want to know no um cuz i don't think it would make me feel any better a can of worms it was just yeah if it was just a case of they just thought it was easier to do the surgery i don't really want to know that at this point so i think i'm just going to live in a world where surgery was the only option yeah even if it wasn't, because um, that
0: feels easier to You've got to do things to, to protect with. your headspace.
1: Exactly. So went for the surgery, first time ever having a general anaesthetic. So you can imagine what I was like, <laughs> considering I said I didn't want yeah. one of the miscarriage luckily they were really nice so because of um the job that I'd had where I was effectively working in like baby intensive care they were like you'll understand about the anesthetic medication so we're just going to talk to you about the medications and what we're going to do which actually really helped because it kind of took my headspace away from what was actually happening it made me sort of go into a bit of a like work headspace and I think that's definitely come from like what I used to previously you had to sort of detach yourself from what was happening in front of you and you just had to focus on like the medical side of things so clearly my like, nurse brain kicked in and was like, right, let's just focus on drugs and what they're doing and like the fact that they're going to put a cannula in and this, that and the other.
0: I think that's a control thing as well because I feel like I do that quite a yeah. lot. When I'm in a situation, any situation, baby loss on or not, baby, or, or TTC, or even outside of this world, if I feel stressed about something, I go into that whole, what can I control? Hi- yeah, the hyper-focus, like all of these different things are happening, focus on every little step and d- details just to get you through the situation
1: exactly and um it it didn't help that when I went up to theatre to go for the uh surgery they I got up to theatre and they were like oh you're gonna have to wait because you've got a forceps in theatre right now so there was a baby being delivered while I was waiting for them to effectively end the pregnancy that was
0: why would they tell you that (laughs) they could have told you that someone else was in there with an emergency it didn't have to be yeah what it was it didn't have to be
1: told exactly what it was so we ended up going back down to the ward um that was then probably another 40 minutes or something so there's a lot of waiting that day which was hard because we were in for like the first scan in the morning so we were there at nine I don't think I actually went up to surgery until lunchtime so we had three hours of sort of sitting with the news knowing that something was obviously wrong but not really being able to do anything about it and it's
0: dangerous as well ectopic pregnancies are dangerous so every every like minute yeah, you're waiting usually dangerous you can any any sort it of could be situation
1: like that is, is a, a medical medical emergency so um my advice would always be if anyone has any sort of early bleeding with any pain especially if the bleeding looks a bit watery because that sometimes is a sign oh, really? that it's an ectopic um, I don't know why. I think it must be something to do with like some sort of fluid in the, in the what tubes or something. Fluid. yeah. So anything like that, always go and get checked. Always during your early pregnancy, or or, or your or whoever. Instance. And they
0: all... I think you've got to trust your yeah. body. And you know something. If you know something's wrong, like if you're thinking something's not right, advocate for yourself. Push for the testing or the scans yes, because push for scans, especially with it's topic, and... it could be life threatening. So it's really important to really yeah. get them to listen. Exactly. So we
1: decided to have a little break from TTC post-ectopic thinking, do you know what, actually, I think we both just need a bit of headspace break. Absolutely. Um, It was a lot of loss in a really short space of time um how
0: did you find going into that break did you find the break itself hard so, after you've been trying i mean trying. it was
1: it was very much a we'll just not track we'll not really see what's going to happen but we also won't prevent yeah. so it was very it was quite sort of just loosely probably loosely not trying mm. wh- whereas mm. actually probably with hindsight what we should have done was prevent right. and really not try yeah. because we so we then found out the third pregnancy I had. We I was actually wearing a Hindu, and it was we we decided that we weren't gonna track. I had a bleed, which I thought was a period, um, at my cousin's wedding where I was bridesmaid, so that was like great timing. Um trying to deal with like a full-length bridesmaid dress and sanitary products is definitely not the one and would not no. recommend, but it was all good. So I'd gone on a hindu thinking right okay I've just had a bleed um I can't possibly be pregnant I'm gonna have quite a few drinks because it's a really close friend who's getting married I want to be able to enjoy myself kind of let my hair down and, and not worry about trying to conceive but on the Sunday I wanted to track for that month not necessarily to try but I wanted to know what was going on with my cycle so I'd brought one of the clear blue um digital tests yeah. for the ovulation with the me, I found ones. those easy to use. yeah yeah many faces in the circle and obviously you'll know Ellie that the first day it's always a circle Absolutely. regardless of how strong the line is because it's trying to work baseline. out where the base yeah is. yeah but I always like to look at the lines anyway on the oh god yeah you have to take the, the, the strip, strip out and have it like compare them see what it's doing and um so I, I, I did it, I got my circle and I was like, oh, the lines are really dark. Like, And I think in my brain, there was something that was like, oh, the LH test, which is the like ovulation test. I'm sure that if you've got HCG in your system, which is obviously the like pregnancy hormone, it can make an LH test look positive. It can. Yeah. So I was like, it looks really dark. I know when I get home because we were away for this handy, we were actually up in Edinburgh for the weekend I was like when I get home I'm just gonna do a pregnancy test just to be on the safe side because you, know, you it, never know it might be positive but I was like expecting a negative result get home do a test hadn't told my husband I was doing that like, I was just I just went upstairs and did it and was like oh oh that's positive oh, I mean, that's great. I'm really
0: happy. And was it blazing positive as well? Yeah, it was like... Because it's picking up on the LH. Yeah. It's exactly what happened to me with Angel. So I didn't know I was pregnant. I had what I thought was a period. And then it was on cycle day 10 when I started Mm -hmm. what I thought was cycle day 10. I started testing my LH again and it was blazing positive. And I was like, that's really early for me to be ovulating. Wow. Okay. But, you know, baby dance did all of the stuff that I should be doing because ovulation was happening it got to five days of those really positive dark when I say dark I mean like the test line was almost black it was so so dark um five days of them I was like this isn't quite right and I messaged my friend being like what do you think's going on here like five days and she was like I don't know Have, have you researched this I looked online and then saw that the um the LH test can pick up HCG the pregnancy hormone so I was like okay it's very, very unlikely. I'm not pregnant. I had a whole period. Like, that's, this is just no way. Yeah. So This is me. Yeah. She was like, just take a test tomorrow or something, you know. So I took the test. I remember just throwing it down on the side as soon as I'd taken it, being like, it's not going to be anything. So when I glanced down at the test, it was like... Not even a little bit positive. It was die ceiling blazing. It Like, the test line came up before the control line, like, proper dark test. And I, I was so shocked that I immediately went and got, like, a first response out and, like, took that one as well and ran into the bedroom, like, squealing to Ben, like, there's two lines! Because I just was so shocked. I couldn't believe that, like... Yeah. It was the LH that told me that I was pregnant. Oh, uh, It's crazy. So, found out I was pregnant, and because the...
1: EPU had said because you've had that topic, we need to see you back at about seven weeks so call us when you find out the next time and we'll book you in yeah so i think it was a sunday so i waited until the monday to ring oh sunday again another sunday <laughs> sunday's day. not a good day <laughs> sunday's not a good day uh so rang them on the monday and was like also oh, like i've been told this this is what i need to do oh yeah just ring us uh, in your seventh week don't worry about it it's fine we'll, we'll just we'll just see you that week so don't worry about it um and because I wasn't really sure about my dates because I'd had a period or what I thought was a period I was like right I'm gonna go to yeah those clear blue digital tests that tells you how many weeks because I was like oh at least then I can sort of roughly work out how far along I am did one of those and it said one to two weeks so I was obviously like it must have been quite early when I'd found out so okay, that was yeah. fine so we'll say that's about four weeks we'll go with it being four weeks from now and then we'll use that as a rough guy because I had no I hadn't had a period apart from the one that I thought was a period to work out when I possibly could have ovulated to work out how like when my dates oh, so that makes your dates really difficult really complicated so um we I then, because I was clearly very stressed, had a little bit of spotting again, was like, okay, maybe this is another miscarriage. Um, ended up doing more of those clear blue digital tests, sort of like I did one about a week later. Um, and yeah. it gone up, it said two to three weeks. So I was like, okay, so that's, that's signs that things are progressing. So that's good. It means my HCG is going up, which is really good. And then I was going to a friend's wedding, The like about 10 days after when I did that second test and I was like just before we go I just want a little bit of reassurance I really want it to say three plus and it had dropped it went back to one to two. Oh no and this but like first thing in the morning we like everything that you should do with a pregnancy test to try and get the like best result so then yeah. I luckily I work in a GP surgery and one of the GPs who works there is really lovely and I she'd sort of known what was going on the whole way through and I went and saw her burst into tears and was like I just think something's wrong and she said you need to go and bring early pregnancy you need to speak to them and they need to scan you they need to scan you today you need to know what's going on absolutely you can't be tortured for any longer and this was this was probably on the the Tuesday or maybe the Wednesday of that week and actually no it was the Friday um the week before So it was, so this kind of went on for a few days of me sort of being really stressed, rang them on that Friday. um, And they said, no, unless you're in pain, we don't really mind that you're bleeding, still just wait another week to come in. So I reckoned I was about six weeks by this point. So left it, and I had had intermittent bits of pain, but nothing terrible. Then the following Monday, so that was on the Friday, on the Monday afterwards, we were out somewhere with some friends and I got this Blinding pain. I was sort of doubled over, trying to breathe through it, thinking, "This, there, there really must be something happening now." Like I, I was like,
0: yeah.
1: "Okay, there's something wrong. There's something wrong." It lasted for all of two minutes, but it was, it was oh, like, wow. in the grand scheme of so things, quite quick. it was really quick, and I we were actually sat in a pub. I was drinking like a soda or something because everyone else was having a pint and I was sat there with my soda water <laughs> feeling really sorry for myself even though I was really happy that I was pregnant. I was just like this feeling really uncool sat in a pub with a glass of soda yeah. water. Because um, you've got to be good. Yeah, because I was being really <laughs> sensible. And um, my husband was like, you're all right, you look a bit pale. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, I've just been in a bit of pain but it seems to have gone. And I thought you know, maybe it's just like the worst trap wind I've ever had because you get a lot of wind. Had it gone? It, like, had, it com- had it completely, like, completely, gone, completely gone? No on. pain had at all. So it went from being sort of this dull ache to like a really sharp, intense, like bent over double, feeling like I was going to pass out. Can't see straight. Can't see straight yeah. pain. But then because it went, I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, it must not have been anything. I'm clearly just being dramatic. Yeah. Didn't really think much of it. After that, because I didn't have any more pain, um, and I wasn't feeling great, but again, early pregnancy—you expect to feel a bit rubbish—and it got to—I'd sort of been in and out of work that week because of what was going on and the bleeding had been a bit worse, and then it'd been a bit better, and I'd gone in and then I'd gone off and I'd gone in, and yeah. gone off, um, and we so we went down to this wedding, which was about an hour and a half. 2 hours away from us it was one of my closest friends was getting married i was bridesmaid really wanted to be there for her was really sort of conscious about what was going on with us i didn't want to impact on their day absolutely yeah so I went to this wedding having to wear like probably more than a liner at that point it was probably a pad because it was heavier the bleeding i was getting and i just thought okay i'm I'm gonna have a miscarriage it's not gonna help me to be at home I would rather be there for my friend so went to the wedding um had like a really small glass of champagne so I thought you know what actually if I'm having a miscarriage anyway I might as well enjoy myself and have a have a drink and it got to and we like both of us had spent all day talking about you know like what's gonna happen we've got this we need to book in for this scan next week um and I Got to the point on the Sunday where I went, you know what? Actually, I'm not waiting another week for this scan. I'm going to ring them tomorrow, and I'm going to lie, and I'm going to say that I'm in loads of pain, and the bleeding's got heavier because I need them to scan me. I need, I need to know. I need to not be in limbo anymore.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Because they basically told me that unless I was in loads of pain, not to come in because they they wouldn't be able to. And thank God you did. So, I rang them on the Monday, first thing in the morning, because the wedding was on a Sunday. Um, again, Sunday, not a good day for me um no. <laughs> rang them on the monday morning the theme here yeah <laughs> rang them on the monday morning and went i'm in lots of pain the bleeding has got heavier you i really would like it to be seen sooner and they said right okay we've got an appointment at six so come in tonight at six and i was like oh great because we were driving back and i was really worried they were going to say can you be here in like half an hour and i was going to have to be like no i can't get that, that soon um so actually really luckily the appointment they had was at 6 p.m so we went in for six totally expecting just to be told. Yeah, you're having a miscarriage. Um,
0: yeah, they. You I remember the them because of your pain.
1: I remember them checking my blood pressure, um, and they were like, "Oh, it's quite high." And I'm like, "Well, we've been here twice before. I've had two losses. We're now on to our. Th- they, they, I think this is our third loss, and I really just need to know what's happening." Um, and they, so they did. They did all of that, and they eventually decided to scan me, and they did the abdominal scan. Luckily, this time around, because it was. I mean, so the the first topic was the thirty first of May, and this was the first of August. So you're talking like two months between the two. Oh gosh, I so really quite really really close together. Um, we so by this point they changed all their COVID rules. No masks. Connor was allowed in the room, my husband, from the beginning. So he basically that's crazy. That it was back. so
0: close in time. The other one.
1: Again, they did the abdominal scan, and they went, "Oh, we're just going to get the the registrar or one of the doctors to come in and have a look." And you just know, don't you, at that point like I, yeah. there's something really wrong here because they wouldn't be finding someone else to come and look at this if it was all okay. Um, and they were like, "Right, okay, we're going to need to do another internal scan." So again, go for a wee, put the gown on. Can you give us a wee sample so we can check it? But we're pretty sure, um, you've had another red topic, and this time it's ruptured because we can see fluid. Oh my God. In your abdomen um and we can't really so that's what the sharp pain was yeah basically and i'd been walking around for a week with this bleeding um and bleeding internally without realizing that i was bleeding internally um and i think that was the point where my husband really freaked out because he was like you could have died in the last week yeah having been told it's fine just come back if it gets worse which is really, really scary. Really scary. So we then very quickly were told, right, we're going to have to take you to surgery. There's probably no saving this tube because of it's ruptured, that's that. And I remember the registrar coming in and sitting us down and saying, right, we're going to have to remove the tube. We're going to have to like, probably it's this, this is an emergency. We need to get you into theatre like now. Um, and being like, I'm really sorry because we've already removed one of your tubes. This is effectively going to make you infertile.
0: Right, so this is a whole other like mindset thing of like, am I going to be able to have kids at all? A whole like, other mindset, full pregnant again. This is it. So I'm,
1: I remember vividly being stood in this little cubicle room, being told by this registrar, "I don't know if you'll be eligible for IVF."
0: Oh wow, why? So
1: well, just because he didn't understand like how the rules worked. So I'm sat there thinking, right, okay, so you're you're going to make me infertile with this surgery. And you're effectively telling me that you don't know whether I'm going to be eligible for any support. So even if I say no, I'm going to die. So I have to have this surgery. And when I wake up from the surgery, I'm potentially going to have to work out what life's going to look like. Either we're going to have to pay to go through IVF, which as everyone knows, it's really expensive, or we're going to have to think about a life without kids, which is like, I'm I'm the person that's dreamed of having kids since I, I was a kid. So it's a Absolutely. big thing for me to be a mum. So, so then your whole future has just changed clumbled, like effectively, in, the, in, a list, in little seconds. minutes. Yeah. So I remember vividly being stood in this room while he's trying to talk to me kind of my husband is desperately trying to help me undress to get into a hospital gown because it was very much a, we're going to talk to you while this is all going on. So like dignity, respect, everything's gone out the window at this point because it's basically just a case of we need to get you into theatre as soon as possible. Get you into
0: theatre, yeah. Removing all
1: my jewellery, like everything was so quick. Um, and being stood there hysterical because I was so upset that they'd effectively told me that it was another loss and that it was we were never going to be able to conceive naturally ever again. Um, and I remember kind of holding me up and being, I just feeling like I had no strength in my legs. Like there was no way that I could deal with this crushing weight of everything.
0: They play such a huge role in that moment. Like I remember Ben literally holding it together for me in every single loss I've been through. He, he's the one that's been literally like, it's all going to be okay. Even if they're not okay, they have to be okay yeah. for us because we're the ones physically going That's through been, it.
1: That has been a consistent thing for us as well. So with the first loss, when we went for the scan, the sonographer said, I'm not seeing what I'm expecting to see here. Um, I need to get someone else to confirm. So I knew immediately at that point. So I'm. she was like, I'll be back in a minute. I'm hysterically crying because I knew what was going on and Connor was sitting next to me going we don't know it might still be okay it might still be okay they hold hope for us oh so much hope and I I love him for that because there were times in my darkest days when there is no way I could have the hope that he does so we I go down to surgery this so the experience from one ectopic to the other was totally different so I was scanned at six by half seven, I was in theatre. They were putting a cannula in in theatre and I was being knocked out. There was no messing around this time. Like, it was very much... I'm guessing a, that's because it erupted yeah, at that point. Yeah, they were like, we can't wait. Like, everything else is not as much yeah. of a priority as this is.
0: Not going to wait for the baby, the forceps. No,
1: no, no forceps or anything else <laughs> at that point. So they, um, again, were really lovely. Uh, again, sort of chatted through everything with me. And um, I remember them... It was One of the registrars was... The one putting the cannula in and and bless her, she missed and i i had the biggest bruise on my hand afterwards oh, it was awful and the consultant who was the anesthetist was like no nope, i'm gonna cannulate we're not having a nurse going away with loads of bruises on her hands because of rubbish cannulas so i was oh, wow. obviously then sort of laughing along with them because you know it was an yeah. awful situation but again it's that hyper focus forget about the awful thing that's happening and we'll just focus on just get through yeah. it
0: yeah and I'm, I'm glad that they were upbeat around it as well. Like, yeah, because I your mood imagine a little bit imagine it's
1: well? really somber dealing with a situation like that in any circumstance. And I remember them saying in early pregnancy, it's really unusual to have two ectopics, especially back to back. And being, I just remember sitting there thinking, well, that's great. That makes me feel so much better about the situation that we're in. Oh, I'm so happy I'm unusual and it
0: does not help uh, at no it really does it? didn't
1: help so luckily because it was quite late by the time I got out of surgery no one tried to come and talk to me that night because after the first ectopic the consultant came around and went yep so here's here's a picture here's your ectopic there's the tube that we removed basically just go and recover and I was like still dosed up to my eyeballs on painkillers because they that's what they do after you've had surgery so I don't really remember that conversation very well it's only because I've told my husband when we got back to the the ward, um, that that was what had happened. That he, because I was still quite out of it at that point. That he was oh, like, yeah. he subsequently reminded me, because you are so out of it that you don't know what's going on. Luckily, that didn't happen. The second time I woke up in recovery, they gave me some pain relief. They took me back to a different ward. It wasn't early pregnancy because they're not open through the night. Actually, it was probably one of the best things ever to just be on a normal surgical ward with like normal patients not with any guy normal people (laughs) normal patients who weren't pregnant or or losing a baby or whatever
0: there wasn't that focus no which was quite
1: nice and I had a terrible night's sleep I'm not a big fan of being in hospital overnight but that is what it is and I think that time was the time that really scared Connor so he he remembers holding it together until I went down to theatre because he knew there was no way I was coming back. So he basically took himself out to the car. He says he remembers walking through the hospital, getting to the car, sitting in the car and ringing his parents to tell them what was going on and just breaking down to the point where he could barely speak. Oh,
0: bless him.
1: Because he was thinking, yes, I've lost another baby, but I also might lose my wife.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: like, that's terrifying for him, I don't even know how to grasp what that must have felt like because I was asleep being operated on. I had no idea what was happening. But for him, I can't even begin to imagine what that must feel like. Watching He's literally just waiting for you to come out, waiting for you be, to be okay. Be, be taken away and just hoping that someone is gonna come back and say it's all okay.
0: Yeah, sure, it reminds me of something Ben said to me um when I was going through one of my losses, I was hysterical it was I hadn't even gone to the EP like I, I was at home my tests were getting lighter I, I knew it wasn't okay and I hadn't started miscarrying at this point but I just knew my gut was like I'm going to miscarry and I was like absolutely such a mess and I I just kept like screaming at him being like why don't you care why is this yes. not important to but you because he was feels. so just like that's so how it's- yeah because he was just so straight-faced and like it's fine you don't know what's going on yet so i was so angry with him for being like that and i remember like screaming at him and he just went this is important and put his hand on my tummy he said but you are more important and that stuck with me so much because it was like i was i'm his world mm. and our baby will be part of that world but like to lose your wife would be even- as well as your child would be just yeah everything falling apart it, yeah. I just can't imagine that that scary feeling for them yeah
1: so I mean he bless him he had to, he had to go home to get me like clothes and, and various other things and when he came back he they would they told him where to go to when he came back which ward I was going to be put on to um in fact I think someone from from EPU took him to where I was going to go and they basically put him in the the waiting room and was like just just sit there and we'll come and get you when she's sorted and he said he sat there and he remembers just watching the time pass I couldn't concentrate on anything and he said that the the only time he actually felt better was when I was wheeled past in the bed so he was like I just knew you were okay oh, and you I that you were there and you were okay and that everything else was going to be something that we could deal with later. And it all that really mattered in that moment was that you were okay.
0: And has that made you stronger as a couple? I
1: think so. I think there's been spells. I think anyone who's been through uh, infertility or loss or a long TTC journey will say that they've fought through parts of it. And I think if you haven't, then you're probably not yeah. being totally honest with yourself.
0: Absolutely. There are, there are bad points as well as like... The there are ups and downs. Right? And I think...
1: Um, after the miscarriage the first time we definitely drifted at that point and that was the point when I was like you just don't understand you don't understand I I spent a lot there was a lot of that time when I had a lot of issues with my body and how I felt about myself and I think he found that really hard to listen to because he was like as far as I'm concerned your body's done something amazing it might not have ended how we wanted it to but I don't think that you should blame your body. Like your body's actually desperately tried to hold on to something that we created and it's not it's not your body's fault that things didn't happen.
0: He was viewing it in a different way.
1: Yeah, totally different way. Which is lovely and with like hindsight now I can I can see it that way, but at the time Yeah. I when just, you're in
0: it in that moment it's oh, like, I was just so you are you're stuck in your head.
1: Yeah, I the way I describe it now is it it was a bit like being buried in a really dark a really deep hole. And you can see that there is light but it just feels so far away it's that out you of can't it's about it it's so out of reach. You can't climb out. You're no, stuck you in that can't hole. You're stuck. That's so true. It's yeah. effectively an allergy for depression, isn't it? Like that is effectively it what what it was. It was depression and it took me a really long time to deal with those feelings about my body and I think even post second ectopic there was a lot of that got brought back up again because it was a my body can't do the one thing that it's supposed to do the one thing I'm supposed to I'm like on this planet to to be a like a mum and like make children and I now can't do that so it took Have a you long heard that time. song
0: from the Barbie movie that's out at the moment with the whole what was I made for
1: no, I haven't. I feel like I should go and listen.
0: Oh, the lyrics—it's literally like, "What was I made for?" And every time I hear it, I tear up and I cry because I'm like, "What was I made for?" I was made to be a mum. Mm-hmm. I was made. I was. I'm on this planet to be a mother. Yeah. And I just, my body can't do it. My body just won't keep a baby alive, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely soul crushing. Mm-hmm. It's like my purpose in life is to be a mum. Yeah. And it's not happening my body won't let that happen and it's like you just said about your body's not doing what it was made to do exactly it's frustrating exactly
1: so there was a lot of that time and then so we then had that conversation the following day with one of the consultants from obstetrics gynecology whichever I can't actually remember to be perfectly honest um who was fantastic she came around and she was like so you just need to get an IVF referral sorted that's what you need to do. You will be eligible for three rounds because that is what we have up there. Wow. So we are really, really lucky. And I know it's a postcode lottery and I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky that we live where we do because I'm very, very aware that there are parts of the country where you're not even entitled to one and that no. that just feels crazy. so unfair because someone else who's in my situation where their only way of having a child is through IVF that's not fair that I'm entitled to more than they are but I, I know there's nothing I can do about that it's just one of those things um and I know there's a lot of campaigning going on and I very much advocate for people campaigning to change that rule because it should be a postcode Absolutely. lottery it should be a case of what everyone's in-
0: it shouldn't exist same. everyone should be treated the same like just depending on their circumstances and stuff yeah. as well because obviously there are medical conditions and stuff but as a whole of like where you are in the country that should yeah, not exactly. matter to how many exactly. rounds you get of what I mean for for me I get one round with two transfers one fresh yeah. one frozen and for you you got three so we'd, even like from between me and you we got different IVF exactly expectations exactly. from it
1: so she was great she was like effectively there are two two centers in that in the area that you can be referred to um all you need to do is go and see your GP they will sort the referral and it will be roughly six to eight months before you'll be able to be in that process it, it takes about six to eight months I would expect that by this time next year you've finished at least one round so this was in the August last Wow year. and to be fair she wasn't wrong <laughs> we have had a round since then um we chose to go with the clinic that's actually slightly further away of the two partly because they've got slightly better success rates and partly because they're not linked to um the university so there's the one of the clinics is linked to the university and because of that my understanding is that the protocols are quite strict and they're quite sort of set in stone in terms of they'll only use one set of drugs um if you don't respond very well to those that's kind of just tough so for me that was quite a big part because we knew that we had the option of subsequent rounds that were funded it made more sense to go with the clinic that would be willing to change things if the first round was unsuccessful absolutely so we started that process in the august we actually had an appointment in the september where they were really great they got us in which is just kind of standard it's basically you get a, a referral for It's like the infertility referral, so it's it's not an IVF referral. It's a referral because you've been for people who've been trying to conceive for twelve months and haven't conceived, or if for people like ourselves where um there was no way of conception without a sort of additional support. So they sort of chatted through all of our history, chatted through any sort of obstetric history that I had, any gynae history. Um, and they said that because we'd had three losses, that regardless of two of those were ectopic, they would do some recurrent loss bloods. So I had thyroid mm-hmm. checked. I had all the like sticky blood checks done, which all came back clear, which is obviously reassuring, but also hard because you still feel like you haven't had any answers. You what. want something yeah, to be wrong I, because yeah. you want to get something to fix. Um, and I know that was something that you've talked about quite a lot on on like, Instagram about how actually and almost having something to fix yes it's awful because you've been through all those losses and you almost want to just like they're not
0: it's the really reason. bittersweet it is.
1: yeah so like if you if you'd known that earlier you,
0: you want you... something to be wrong so you can fix yeah. it but then you don't want something to be wrong because and you don't want earlier, your body to be you wrong have
1: had, had those losses that you had you just don't know do you exactly exactly
0: yeah so
1: that was reassuring so they basically said that we'd be referred from that point so that was end of september Um, We received our first IVF appointment in the March, while we went for an initial scan, they did some more blood tests, and they did the like swabs for checking out things like chlamydia and, and what have you to make sure there was no infection, because they want to treat that before you start. We were put onto long protocol for the first round because of where my blood tests were, what they were seeing in terms of the the follicle count and stuff like that. And I know every clinic does this really differently because having subsequently spoken to people who've been through IVF, every clinic's long protocol seems really different. Um, So our long protocol was three weeks of a drug called bucerolin, which is effectively a drug that puts you into the menopause. So it shuts everything yeah. down, makes your ovaries go to sleep. Was how they sort of phrased it to me, um and they said you should expect to have a bleed at some point in that three weeks. We don't know exactly when it will be, but we would expect you to have some sort of bleeding during that time.
0: Was that like a, a like a period type pain? No, bleed? it wasn't actually.
1: It wasn't painful. Was it was just bleed? a bleed. So it was it was sort of similar in terms of like the pattern of the bleeding. So I had a few days of heavy, and then it got lighter, um, and it lasted probably just over a week which is about my norm anyway With that I suffered quite badly with quite a lot of side effects so I got really bad insomnia I got terrible hot flushes I felt really nauseous and um, my mood wasn't great sort of through it but like it, same as sort of premenstrual like really really bad like irritable, quite emotional generally sort of cried a lot and things like that right. <laughs> so we did that then after the three weeks we went in for what's called like the baseline scan so they then did um a scan to check my lining to check it was nice and thin check my ovaries didn't have any sort of active follicles and everything looked really good so my lining was at like two millimeters which apparently is like excellent um they were happy with how my ovaries looked and everything like that so we then started the stimulation medication. That was on the Tuesday. We started the stims on the Friday.
0: And that's to get follicles to grow. Yeah. So
1: you want your follicles mm-hmm. to grow nice and big. Um, ideally quite a few of them, but all of a similar size. And that's how you get your eggs. We had a scan a few days later to check how things were going. So that was to check the follicles were growing like they would expect them to, check that the dose was right, check that my lining was getting thicker. I think on that first scan we had 10 follicles. Now, obviously you compare. So I got really stressed, was like, that's not enough. We're not gonna have any eggs. It's all gonna be terrible. Um, And I'm really lucky. So I've got, I go for acupuncture um, once a week with a lovely lady who does a lot with patients who are going through IVF, like a bit of an expert in terms of knowing loads about the IVF process and everything else. And she's been great in terms of talking me down, shall we say, (laughs) on the days when things aren't quite so good um and they're was, like counselors as yeah, well as acupuncturists definitely. half of it is <laughs> therapy i'm basically getting really cheap therapy along with some acupuncture um so she was actually really happy she was like actually 10 is really good the sizes sound really encouraging so i'd be quite happy with where you are we then went back for another scan um i think that was on the f- the scan was on the f- maybe the friday or the thursday or it might have even been the wednesday to be honest i lose track of the days with that um no it was on the Wednesday because I had my acupuncture on the Thursday and I'd stressed for the whole day before I went to see my acupuncturist even though she said you should have just emailed me but at the time I just felt like I was being silly so I didn't she then saw me again so I went back for another scan on the Monday and she saw me again that day for another session so then there were 16 follicles which was really good and they were all good sizes so it had gone up and they said right, okay, we're going to get you to continue the medications and we're going to get you to do your trigger injection, which is the thing that makes the eggs mature um, on Wednesday and we'll get you in for egg collection on the Friday. Hilarious, just like terrible timing. We had booked to go to a gig, which was... Not a Sunday. No, no Sunday. So the clinic's actually closed on a Sunday, which I think probably for me is a good thing.
0: Absolutely. You don't want to be um, messing with Sundays after what you've been through.
1: <laughs> no, no more Sundays, I think. So we did trigger injection on the Wednesday night at a gig um, because Conrad booked me tickets to go to a gig as a Christmas present and it was the one thing that we'd had in the diary that month in May because we were like well we, d- we can't not plan our lives Yeah. so I'm sat there in the disabled toilet of this like gig trying to do my trigger injection at bang on 9pm because it had to be done at 9. <laughs> I was sat there like ready with everything mixed like waiting for it to turn to 9 o'clock to be able to give myself this <laughs> injection. Went in for the egg collection on the Friday morning. They were really happy. I had 16 eggs collected. And then they basically said, look, like go home. You might be a little bit sore for the next few days because you're going to be a bit bloated and a bit sort of uncomfortable from having had everything done. We'll call you tomorrow to tell you how everything's fertilized. And then we'll get back to you for a time for your transfer, which will be on the Wednesday nearer the time. So we'll probably call you to discuss that on like tomorrow when we ring you with the results, but then we'll finalise the time probably on the on the day so we're going away like happy as larry 16 eggs collected that's really great um really happy now i knew anyway that not all of those eggs would be mature because they they just never are the chances are that you're not going to get all of the eggs it always collected. goes down doesn't it yeah the there's numbers always, like, your, your expectation it. is it
0: for it to drop yeah yeah
1: so of our 16 eggs that were collected 11, 11 of them were mature um and unfortunately only four of them had fertilized normally so we had sort of standard IVF rather than ICSI um which is where they do the injection of the sperm into the egg. yeah um because they were really happy with everything from like of things everything looked good they didn't have any sort of ends about it um so we we were sort of like oh okay so we've gone from 16 to four in a day that feels like a huge drop So then I immediately go into like negative spin of it's not going to work. If we've got to this point and it's dropped this much already, we're not going to have anything to put back. So basically spent the next four days just being really negative about everything was like not very positive. But they said to us on that Saturday when they called with the results, they were like, right, so we're going to book you in for a transfer for one o'clock on the Wednesday. Do you want to chat about how everything's grown before that in the morning? We can set up like a video chat to do that. Or would you prefer to come in and speak to someone face-to-face before you come in for your transfer?
0: And that's to check what the embryos are doing and how in they In terms of how they how they progressed
1: up until the point of... And grown transfer. up to that point. Yeah, Yeah. So we decided we'd rather go in and have that conversation face to face I felt like we'd had so much through COVID that had been done over video chat that I didn't really want that so I wanted to go in and and see someone in person I just feel like it's easier to chat through stuff as well absolutely so we went in on Wednesday for that chat at about half 12 one o'clock ish the embryologist came along and was really lovely she explained that we had one that was suitable for transfer so the other three weren't suitable to be transferred that day of the four that we had They showed us a really lovely little time lapse video of it growing, which is really, like, really amazing to see. That's really lovely. Love that. And they then got us all set up to go and have the transfer. So we went and had that
0: done. And that's a fresh transfer because it's straight after the egg collection.
1: collection. So this was effectively five days post egg collection. So, because it's called a day five blastocyst um, that they put back in. So they said, right, okay, so we've transferred it in. We, got, we watched it because they do ultrasound-guided transfer, so we were able to watch it all be transferred, which was lovely. And we were told, right, okay, we'll get you booked in now for your blood test, which will be 12 days after today, um, which is, again, I think a little bit unusual. I think most clinics do nine days after um but i think they prefer right. to wait so that you get a definitive yes or no because otherwise you can end up in that sort of like chemical pregnancy bracket where yeah. it was positive and now it's not or they'll get you to do a, a pregnancy test at home and then they'll get you c- to come in for a blood test a few days later if it was positive so they don't do that they don't do any of that they just say come in on this day for a blood test and we'll just do a blood test right It was on a monday 12 days afterwards they said, look, ideally, we know you're probably going to test at home. Try and leave it as close to the day as you can. And uh, Instagram has been like a blessing and also a curse from this side of things because I watched a lot of people who tested every day, from like transfer right through. Because you obviously, well, the clinic use HCG as the trigger injection, so effectively that's in your system. So you want to so test you, out your you trigger, to to see it go to trigger, trigger, zero, see it go to zero, to then test to, to see if get a, it's true test- positive. So I, instead of doing that, because I thought that probably wasn't the right thing for me, which again is totally individual. And I think you've just got to do whatever feels right for you in that situation. Absolutely. I didn't test out my trigger, but I worked out how long it would be until the trigger was out my system. And the general consensus seemed to be that it was about two weeks, which would be two weeks from the Wednesday when I did it. So we'd kind of agreed, right, okay, the Thursday is the earliest point of doing a test because you're more likely to get an accurate result.
0: How many days past transfer was that?
1: (sighs) That would have been eight days post-transfer, which apparently at that point you can still get a positive because it's a bit it's equivalent of like 13 days post ovulation. Yeah. So I did a test that morning because I couldn't wait. I just got to the point where I just needed to know one way or the other. It was one of the clear blue early ones because I couldn't get any of the first response ones for some reason at that point. They were just like, you can't get them anywhere. So used the clear blue one and got a faint positive. So I was like, okay, this is this is encouraging. Um, we'll we'll leave it now until Saturday and we'll test again. Then the test on Saturday was definitely negative. So,
0: so was that still potentially the trigger?
1: N- well, I don't know. I'm trying to tell myself it was the trigger because the thought of it being another loss almost feels worse. Too much. Yeah. yeah so I mean it still felt like another loss I think we both still felt like we'd had a subsequent loss having already had so many already
0: having talked to other girls who have gone through IVF and failed transfers it does sound like going through a failed transfer does feel like a loss because you put so much work in you put an embryo in in there it's got a good chance to happen and it's in a way it felt
1: different from like a normal TTC month because you knew there was something there Whereas it's with definitely like an and you you've just been trying and you know you've hopefully got your your peak right and you've hopefully got everything else right and everything's lined up exactly as it should do you think okay well like there's a chance but it's not a guarantee and I think because you've effectively put what should grow into a baby in you assume that it's going to work even though we all know that the success rates aren't 100 percent and everything else
0: I think this is another thing like people expect IVF, to be the magic because it is almost like a last resort they expect it to work yeah and then when it doesn't work it's a bit of a shock so I'm going into this round of IVF hopefully when it when it happens um with an expectation that hopefully it will work I like I really want it to work out Mm -hmm. but knowing that I've seen so many girls going through it who it doesn't work out for and you've kind of got to convince yourself it's hard because it's like I said in the last pod about like manifesting and hoping and like Mm. having that positive mindset around it you also don't wanna get your hopes up too much that it's gonna work out because it is a chance. Yeah, You're paying, people who pay for IVF, you're paying for a chance, it's not a guarantee. We
1: definitely disagreed on that in terms of between the two of us. So Connor was like, it's gonna work, it's gonna work, it's all gonna be fine. And I, I very much had my head on of like, it's a chance, it's not a guarantee, we don't know that it's gonna work. And I think the further through the round that we got, the more that was how I felt and the more, especially when we had that massive drop in numbers, I was very much at the point of this is a chance, not a guarantee. And by the last few days, especially once we'd had that negative test, I remember we actually were spending the day with my family that day. And my mum took one look at me and she was like, what's wrong and I said I've done a test this morning It's negative. and I burst into tears to my mum and like we haven't had the best relationship through my losses in terms of her being particularly understanding but actually she was the one person I really wanted that day
0: yeah
1: and actually in fairness she was really good about it and they were all quite understanding about me being quite down about it because obviously for us this is the only way of it ever happening and they were all acutely aware that we'd put so much time and I'd, I'd been so unwell and all of that into it to then be told, oh, actually, sorry, yeah, we've got to start again if you want to do this again, felt huge. So that was the Saturday. We went in on the Monday for the blood test and they were like, oh, so how's things like, they're obviously lovely in the clinic, all the nurses are so nice. Um, like I haven't got a bad word to say about the clinic. They've always been really, really good the whole way through. Um and they were like really their usual like lovely, cheery selves. And they were like, Oh, so how are you doing? How have you been? And I was like, Oh, well, I'm pretty sure I'm getting some bad news today. I'm not feeling particularly like positive. Like we did a test on Saturday and it was negative and they were like, right. Okay. It's, it's probably going to be the same. We can't guarantee that it will be cause yeah. you know, but you know, what we'll do is we'll bring you once we have the results. And once we have the results, if it is negative, we'll book you in for a, um, review appointment which I think some people call the what the fuck appointment yeah I don't know if you've heard that before I have, sorry yeah. for swearing for people that don't like swearing but like that's <laughs> what it is so they booked us in for that which was about a month later so this was early June and we had the review appointment in the beginning of July um so it was pretty much bang on four weeks later um and that was with the consultant and the, he sat down and was like right Fertilisation is clearly a problem, so we're going to change the protocol for fertilisation. The next time we're going to do ICSI, we're not going to do IVF again. Was like immediately really proactive about that. They also have agreed to put us on short protocol this time because the long protocol made me quite unwell and they were like because of they call it treatment burden because of the treatment burden with the long protocol we're not going to do that again even if we might get slightly better like regularity of growth of follicles it's not worth it if it makes you unwell so the way that they do that is they give you the pill for a month which is very strange it feels completely counterintuitive to be going on the pill
0: to try and have a baby absolutely it's like the whole opposite thing it's like preventing yeah I'm like what are we doing so uh, and cue some really
1: ignorant comments about well I know people who got pregnant on the pill I'm like what do you not understand about the no fallopian
0: tubes like there's no way that yeah. can happen. it can't get down there
1: <laughs> yeah, literally there is no way for the egg to get from my ovary into my womb like I don't know how <laughs> to explain it any other way yes yeah, so I've been doing that for the past or oh, nearly three weeks so tomorrow is my last day of the pill coming
0: to the end of it
1: so we have a baseline scan next Tuesday um which I don't know how that will tie in with when the pod's released but it'll be in the next week or so from from when the pod is um and then we will hopefully start the stimming medication on Wednesday so it's all kind of happening how do you feel
0: about going into this round so I think it's the least hopeful I've ever
1: felt which feels really awful to say out loud I think i've reached the point now where i just can't i can't get my hopes up anymore
0: if that makes sense yeah especially going through like you've been through a current loss you've had your ep topics and now you've had a failed transfer it feels like there is no hope yeah it's got to that right. point of like it's it's hard to believe that it's going to work out yeah but it might work out yeah. it might
1: and there kind are those there little thoughts <laughs> at the back of my head that keep reminding me that which is is really nice but it's also really scary because you you
0: absolutely yes. you almost
1: want to protect yourself from any more heartache so it's easier to say it's not going to work it's not gonna it's we're
0: just it's never pretend happened. it's not happening
1: yeah yeah just kind of like forget about it and I think it's something that we're actually on holiday at the moment and I've, I've been joking oh I don't want to go home because I don't really want to have to think about it starting and I, I do I do want yeah. to do it again it's not that I'm I'm not wanting to go through another cycle i obviously really want it to work i want us to to try and and hopefully get some success from it but i think not going home is like a protective thing of like if we stay here it's not starting and if we stay here then then we can't have our hearts broken again
0: and going home it's like going back to reality going back to starting it all again and going into the meds and everything so like holidays like your safe space right now where you don't have to worry about it exactly
1: and I'm sort of quite pleased the timing's worked out really nicely. I've got uh, another really good friend who's getting married next August. So this time next year. And we sort of were talking about if due dates fell around the wedding because she's getting married abroad, I wouldn't be able to go. And I, it's it's a really small wedding. It's basically the bridal party and her family and no one else. And she was my maid of honour. So I really, really want to be there because it's it's like, it's probably one of the most important weddings that, we would be invited to so it's really important for me that we can go because we were like oh well if it does work we're gonna have to have time to get a passport
0: before yeah.
1: we go and actually it would work out quite nicely in terms of timing if we're fortunate and this time, time it works yeah and if it doesn't then that's okay because I can focus on getting excited for her wedding and we'll probably have done another round before the wedding and I'll just be like a beach whale if it ha- if it works by <laughs> next round and that's fine Which we are all for. We're exactly. All for that. <laughs> I am all for being uncomfortable and hot in the French <laughs> sunshine at her wedding. That's absolutely fine. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I just I think the other thing which I I didn't, didn't realize until afterwards our transfer date for the last round was actually the day that we had the first ectopic surgery last oh, wow. year. So it was like bang on the one year anniversary. So I'm actually really pleased we've got past any anniversaries or due dates or anything like that and that this round is kind of going to be its own its own separate
0: thing absolutely it kind of separates it from everything yeah. else yeah and it separates it from
1: anything else that's that's uncomfortable to do with even just our TTC journey and like where we've been and what's happened so I think that feels nicer and I think I only realized after we'd found out transfer hadn't worked but even still it was sort of like oh has that been like stupidly has that been like a jinx or is that a reason that it didn't work so yeah I think I felt quite relieved when I realized that like the last thing that would have been sort of tying in with anything like that was the 1st of August and we're past that now so we got a free free and clear of any anniversaries because the topic due dates were January and March and the miscarriage due date was the 16th of July which is the day before our wedding anniversary so
0: everything has passed everything has passed so the rest of 2023 2023 <laughs> is going to be hopefully a better second half of the year um <laughs> it is 23 is my lucky number I'm so sure like 23 is it's the year gonna work. no matter what happens like 23 has got to be the year exactly
1: exactly so yeah,
0: I think when I think about it like that,
1: I feel better. And I think because we've, we've changed the protocol and there's things changing, that feels like there's... Yeah, because least... they've
0: changed everything up for you. Yeah. So they've really made this specific... It's just not
1: the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome, which is effectively insanity, isn't it? Like you, if you just keep going yeah. over and over again, hoping that it's all going to change, eventually you sort of wonder what you're doing. So that feels... Better, and I think the fact that they listened and and that they actually asked for our opinion on a few things when we would when we had this review because there was loads discussed. In fairness, that poor consultant was probably sick of me because I had a list of questions, but it was really good in terms of like I actually I came away feeling like I'd been heard, um, and I think with Which so, is so mu- important with so much with loss, you feel like you've been dismissed or ignored. So to go from that to actually feeling like you've got somewhere feels huge.
0: Absolutely. I'm sort of feeling right now going into um, talking to my new clinic and everything. I'm feeling like so relieved that it's out of my hands and someone else is dealing with it now. And like exactly. it's down to them now and they're nice and they're listening. And I think that's a good part of IVF compared to natural TTC is someone else doing it for you now. Yeah. And as that pressure is off you. Yeah.
1: You almost, you can almost sort of take a back seat for a while, which feels. It almost feels a bit easier, doesn't it? Because it's
0: exactly it's
1: like you can go, right, okay, the, the like burden of responsibility is no longer on me. It's on someone else. And someone else is making these decisions and I can actually just have a break from this being a huge daily struggle.
0: Yes, it's a break without taking a break. Exactly, exactly. It's a break from your head. We took that six
1: months between surgery and referral to go and do some nice things so we went on holiday we we actually went to New York which was originally going to be part of our honeymoon but then because of Covid it was easier not to Um, and my best friend the one that's getting married next year got engaged while we were all in New York together so Aww. like and I, I think I have to remind myself of that I have to remind myself that actually even that break from trying to conceive, big life things happened, and that's like it is okay that there's a life outside of all of this.
0: It's like I've said before about finding your identity away from trying exactly. to conceive. Exactly. It's it's so hard. To, you get sucked into the world, like yeah. from the first month you try, and the the first month you get a negative test, you're in it, and mm-hmm. you're stuck in it, and it just gets gradually worse and worse and worse as far as on you go. But it's from that first day, it's really really hard. So. Reminding yourself that there is a world out there. There are other parts to you. You are not this journey. You are not IVF. You are not trying to conceive. You are you. And there is more to you than this. Exactly. I think it's so important. Yeah,
1: remembering that you have an identity outside of it is is hugely important. I think that's something that took me quite a while to properly get my head around. Um, I definitely, in the first few months, spent a lot of time obsessing about temperature and charts and and when are I ovulating and what's happening and everything else and Absolutely. that was another thing that became problematic in our relationship in terms of I was obsessed with it and it was oh okay I'm ovulating so we we have to try tonight we have to there's no arguing about it because it's the like it's the it's the window of when we can and then the rest of the month I was like actually I'm not really that bothered if you come anywhere near me because it's we've had this exact conversation as well (laughs) like intimacy becomes about trying and it's not about anything else and actually in some respects the sort of infertility not being able to try that side of our relationship has really come back
0: that's really good I
1: mean obviously in amongst meds making me feel like I literally would rather like (laughs) hello but you know what I mean like it's I think that's just normal life isn't it but I think that sort of intimacy and being able to enjoy that and not thinking about it being in terms of making a baby
0: it's easy to forget your relationship and it that it matters as you guys and why you're doing it in the first place it's so easy to get lost in the trying Mm -hmm. and we've made quite a purposeful (laughs) effort recently to try and do more dates and yeah and just to try Mm -hmm. and remind ourselves that it's us we want a little us that would be awesome but but you also still want you guys to be
1: us at the end of it because it could be that if you do things right there's actually no us there's there's a baby but actually you guys aren't the people that you were and you don't really feel the same way about each other because all your focus has been is trying to have a stressful
0: Yeah. and it puts the str- it does put a strain on your relationship mm-hmm. like when you've been doing it for so long and you've got and especially when you've gone through like grief and like you're grieving differently to each other it does put a strain on your relationship and you've got to learn how to be with each other again and like i'm, I'm so lucky that ben is so supportive and considerate of my feelings mm-hmm. you know you it's coming back and reminding yourselves that no matter how separate you are on this journey you will always be a team. You will always be together because what was it in the first place that put you together? You fell in love.
1: Exactly. And I think. And it,
0: you, you're always going to love them for them. Yeah. So no If you have a baby or not.
1: Yeah. I
0: think that's the thing
1: for us, especially with sort of the situation that we're in now, because we've had a lot of like, oh, so you should just adopt. Um, and we've sort of, we haven't really discussed it, but it, it is a sort of, we don't need to discuss that yet. Kind of a conversation that we've had. If it doesn't work. That's not necessarily the route that we would choose to go down. I think that we would be in that bracket of being child, absolutely okay, and it, it would be that would be what we would be, and we would just be fun friends, kids like yeah. effectively fun yeah. aunt and uncle, like and yeah. yeah, exactly, and the one that buys them alcohol when they're underage and like does all the sort <laughs> of silly stuff like your parents definitely wouldn't do or gives you an extra packet of sweets at the end of the day when your mum and dad would have said no and I'm I'm okay with that being my identity I I definitely wasn't if you'd asked me like 18 months ago I would not have been okay with that I definitely was my headspace has definitely changed from that side of things especially even the last few months Um, and we did I have think
0: that definitely uh, comes from going through what you've gone through
1: yeah and I think we had some quite long chats recently about what life would look like if we get to the end of our three funded rounds and we haven't been successful because we are both in quite a fortunate position we're both under 30 if we did want to have a break from IVF and come back to it we're still in that bracket where that would be a possibility so it might be that we do our three rounds we both focus on like careers and traveling and a few other things for maybe a couple of years. And then we decide, okay, right, we'll give it one last shot and we'll do one more round and we'll pay for it. And if it works, then great. And if it doesn't work, then that would be okay. And I think it was nice almost feeling like there was a point where we could actually just take a break from it, like completely take a break. And I'm not there yet. I'm absolutely not there yet. But it was nice knowing that that was an option.
0: Absolutely. And like, we're going to go take you into this round And it's going to all work out. And then you won't have to think about that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You can guarantee
1: that like, because I've said, oh, yeah, well, no, we'll, we'll think about stopping and I'm not feeling positive. You can guarantee it's like you don't
0: like meet your other half until you're at a point where you don't really want a relationship. Exactly. Exactly that. Like, I wasn't looking for a relationship when I met Ben. <laughs> yeah, also for her. Like, I, I just
1: had a really <laughs> messy breakup with an ex who was awful. And I was like, right, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be single for a while. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And, and
1: then we met on a total fluke. And I, I can't even imagine it working out any differently. But at the
0: time, I was not looking for a relationship. It's crazy how it happens, you know. I used to get so annoyed with people saying, "Oh, you'll meet the person when you least expect it, when you're not looking for them," and it, and it's what people say still, like now, "Oh, when you're not trying, it'll happen." And it's like, I still get annoyed at that now, but I know the times yeah, that I've fallen pregnant, right. <laughs> annoyingly, this is a really annoying fact that when I have fallen pregnant, it has been when I have been trying less, and that just yeah, really exactly. grinds on me because I'm like, no, no, it's not like that, but. It's just how
1: it has worked out. Well, this this has been my thing while we've been away. I've been like, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to have that glass of wine. I'm going to eat that soft cheese. I'm going to have the stuff that I'm not supposed to have because I can't behave like I'm pregnant my entire life. No. Because that's what I've been doing at home. I, I haven't really been drinking. I haven't been having caffeine. I haven't been doing all these other things because, you know, it's best to not do it. And I thought, Do you know what, actually, I, I need this holiday to be a holiday. I need this holiday to be a holiday from everything.
0: Absolutely.
1: And you can really guarantee, like, everyone does this, like, pre-IVS, three months of being really sensible.
0: Yeah.
1: And maybe that works for some people, but for me, I needed a break from being strict with everything.
0: And that's okay. You're allowed to be you. Exactly. Exactly.
1: I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it, is not allowing other people's opinions to color how you behave
0: absolutely yeah you do you and yeah. I think that's what I've always said you do you if you if something feels right for you do it if something doesn't feel right for you don't do it yeah just go with what yeah. you feel and your body feels right
1: and if having an odd glass of wine makes you feel better then that you should be allowed to do that
0: absolutely Well, I'm really excited for you going into this round. I'm going to be following you like a little cheerleader (laughs) in the background. Thanks so much. (laughs) And you are part of the um, Trying Times community page as well. So you're on the Discord chat. So if people want to come and join there and have a chat with you uh, or us, and we've started doing live Zoom calls now. So that's really, really fun. So if you want to come and have a chat with Megan and me and other girls going through this, then come and join us. If you go to my website, effortlesslyally.com and click on Patreon, you can join through that. Or if you are unsure on how to do that, just send me a message on effortlessly.le on Instagram and I will see you there. It's been so lovely chatting to you today, Megan. I'm really looking forward to this round. I hope everything goes well and do keep us up to date. And I will link your Instagram page because you've got a TTC Instagram page now as yeah, well, haven't you? It's quite a recent thing, but
1: I do indeed. There's not much on there yet. I am going to eventually be brave and get my face on there a bit more.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah. Anyone? what's your handle it's uh oh gosh hang on i think it's IVF with an underscore at the end but like i
0: say if you link it that's probably safer. yeah i'll pop a link in when we do the pod i'll pop a link up on the instagram so if you want to find megan you can find her there and also on the discord as well but yeah it's been so great chatting um Thank you so much. and as always all my love to everybody out there on this crazy ride um and i'm wishing everybody so much luck and love in their cycles right now, wherever you may be, and I will speak to you soon. Bye!